0: I'm Ryan Jeffrey, and uh, this is the Passionate About OSS podcast, uh, episode one, and uh, the purpose of the, the Passionate About OSS podcast is to uh, shine a light on some of the amazing talent uh, and amazing uh, people that are out there in the industry, the, the great ideas and the wealth of knowledge that they have. And uh, today's episode is uh, is one of those people, so, uh, Tony Kelsina. Tony uh, was actually the one of the founders of of Clarity, and uh, they were that was the first real OSS project that I worked on, and so it, that's the reason why getting uh, Tony on for podcast number one uh, it aligned with project number one for me all the way back in the year two thousand. So as I mentioned, Tony was CEO of Clarity International, uh, a a uh, OSS vendor. And uh, is currently also the APAC CTO of Tech Mahindra, but also much, much more. So Tony's had roles with uh, vendors, i.e. Clarity. Uh, He's had uh, roles with telcos, Time Telecom, uh, solution integrators such as Tech Mahindra, uh, standards bodies like TM Forum. So he has a real 360-degree view of the OSS industry and the amazing insights that come from that. Uh, Tony's one of the best uh, big-picture thinkers that uh, that I've come across in the OSS and telco industry. So it's a uh, delight to have him on the podcast this evening, a real pleasure. So welcome, Tony.
1: Ryan, my pleasure. Thank you for having me today.
0: So, uh, Tony, where did you get your start in, uh, in the LSS industry? I'm aware of uh, your work at Telstra OTC and, and Time Telecom, but I'm sure there's more, and maybe the history goes back even further than those days.
1: Oh, no. Well, uh, the, the start was actually in a, in a company now known as Telstra, but in, that, in those days it was known as OTC. And as when, uh, I, I guess, competition and deregulation entered the telecom industry in the mid-'80s, 1985 there was a major program for uh, OTC to become more competitive and customer-centric. And so they had a big contract with a company called Honeywell. Uh, That contract uh, had a few issues. They wanted someone to then uh, take over that, uh, operate that uh, set of computers, uh, DPS 695s with Oracle. Um, For me, it was a promotion. I took it. About one person applied for it. It was me because the whole project was black banned by the unions. Um, So I took that job on and uh, that really opened my eyes as to the opportunities uh, to overlay uh, the uh, classical telecom network with Unix servers, which at the time was unheard of. No one was using Unix for mission critical. It was all minis. So that in 1985, I got the kick and it was in in OTC and the the, the opportunity was to create an overlay on top of a a SCADA system. And that's when I met a number of some brilliant people uh, that were doing work within the OTC control centers, uh, software developers, uh, operational people that knew the problem, knew the software and did some magic. So all I did is harness that expertise and uh, we created a lot of iterative uh, solutions that uh, over five years that... uh, 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 some of it is still in operation, I, I hear. Wow!
0: So I guess it was uh, just like me. It was love at first sight uh, in the the OSS industry and OSS
1: products and the people and the brilliant people that come with that. Well, the, I think you you have you have a far deeper passion. I mean, I'm just amazed by the <laughs> passion you have. Even even you know your 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 website and your passionate, about I always say no. yet, yeah, but there are, effectively it was, yeah, in the mid 80s. Uh, and uh, that's where I met the guys. And, and the, the whole idea was trying to solve a very complex problem that no one really wanted to tackle. And to me, that was the challenge. You know, can, can we solve this problem? And, and who, who can we orchestrate and bring together in order to solve the problem? So to mm-hmm. me, it was more about people challenge than it was a technology challenge. Mm-hmm. It was always about orchestrating and, and achieving through people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you can even see the potential for for the improvements that it could make on people's
1: lives. I guess from from what you're saying there too. Uh, well, yeah. The, the the initially the it was a network management system, but it became clear as time went on that you know you, you can reach from the network through the service through to the customer uh, in a in a seamless manner. And the ability to deliver what the customer wanted when they wanted it was really the main the main holy grail of our industry, as you know, has been for many mm. many years.
0: Yeah. and from ITC then there was the the transition through to the opportunity at Time
1: Telecom were there any other stepping stones in between that oh no absolutely i mean the uh, i um, the, the, my my very first uh, view into entrepreneurial uh, spirit was uh, uh, a few years later in 1988 when I was at MIT um, with the International Space University and uh, I, I saw a, a bunch of guys who were driving to create innovative capabilities, There, a gentleman by the name of Peter who was um, uh, you know the guy that did yeah, the X yeah, Prize yeah. and all that uh, I, I had the pleasure of working with him for about three months and I, I was just amazed by the energy and the drive to you know to to push the envelope of our of of various industries and um, and I, I was you know i was always been a career man I, I thought I was going to retire with OTC and uh, you know go through the through, through the uh the hierarchy there that was my dream just to stay there and have a a, a job much like my dad and right? just go and but then I saw people and then the, really the next stepping stone was, uh, was a gentleman uh, by the name of um, uh, Martin Picard who came to OTC to help us solve a complex problem of distributed databases. And it was there that uh, he created the, the idea of, um, of patrol. Um, and, and I saw what he did with patrol, you know, between 1991, 91, 92. And I said, wow, there was a, what, what we thought was an obvious, simple idea he operationalized it, turned it into, into a BMC patrol, hmm. which became a billion-dollar player, as you know. So that's, that showed me that you know, the, the, the best was yet to come in our industry. And then when, when Time Telecom came along and uh, they needed help because uh, deregulation hit Asia a little later, uh, it, it was clear that uh, you know, the, the solutions that were there needed a little bit of work. You know, they, they, were, they were really not customer-centric enough. Um, so, so we needed an, a new way of solving the problem. So, someone had had a license and uh, and some lateral thinking, which is what Time Telecom was at the time, was really the way, was 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 the lucky lucky uh, find for I guess for us um, uh, in, in, in the formation of Clarity.
0: Yeah, interestingly, Peter. I actually quote Peter a couple of times in different blogs, but also the the call for innovation on uh, passionateaboutos.com dot com as well. So yeah, he's uh, brilliant man. He's he's, yeah. he's been
1: one of my heroes. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah.
0: And so was he a, a direct mentor or effectively a, a mentor from afar that you, that you aspired? It was, it was more era. from afar. I mean,
1: obviously, uh, we, we had conversations about about his aspirations and where he was going, and and uh, I just was watching him in awe in the way that he and Todd, you know, they created the ISU International Space University mm. uh, and the way they went about and promoted that, the ideas that he he really wanted to, and he has now in terms of space, uh, the vision that he has for space was just amazing. And it was the driver, working all night, driving it through, talking to. And, and that energy, that motivation, that passion, really that, that was what I, I was observing. I said, wow, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing in our industry, the number of people who do have a, a crossover interest in the space industry too. It, uh, yeah, it surprises me often. It's uh, uh, hidden behind the scenes, but uh, yeah, quite a few of the people I, uh, I really admire in this industry have also got a passion for space. So from there, um, what what were the events that led to the formation of Clarity? So I guess that that came on the back of some of the work you, you did with Time Telecom. But, uh, uh, well, was it small. really
1: it once again it was it was just the people, right? So so yeah. I was lucky enough to to surround myself with some amazing people. So we we had uh, Peter Jujopoulos, uh who had uh, you know he was the lead guitarist uh, or bass guitarist in a in a um, in a, in a band in, uh, here in Australia, but he was also a technical officer in OTC. And he was um, uh, an, a, a, just a brilliant developer. Him, people like uh, Mick Calligan, uh, uh, so, so, so we, Eddie Sieve, there was a whole bunch of guys that I had the privilege of working with uh, in those formative years. So, so, it was clear through all of us that there was something that wasn't quite ready yet for the industry to support deregulation and competition. Mm-hmm. You know the ability to link network to service to customer and make the complexity simple so that you can really provide that customer service. The technology wasn't really designed that way at all. so so when we um, I so when I had the chance to go to time in Malaysia as a consultant and I'd left uh, OTC. Uh, it, uh, I was given the opportunity, that I was asked, in fact, the question, how would you solve the problem if you had a blank sheet of paper? Mm-hmm. The answer would have been to buy what was the other telcos had, but then you buy legacy mm-hmm. and, and you never leapfrog. And uh, the gentleman uh, running uh, time at the time said, "You know, no, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, buy the legacy technology. I want to leapfrog these guys. What would you do if you were me? Tell me, tell me. And I said, what I would do, I would build it. I would build a next generation technology and I can do all these things. And that led one led to another. And I I actually licensed him the IP and the thought and the ideas for one ring it. And uh, we build uh, and then I called all the team that basically that we build previous generations of network management across to say, guys, this is what we want to do. I started with Peter and Peter said, great, let's form the company. And really it was P- peter was one of these guys that you know very very entrepreneurial uh, and t- peter was a driving force i guess in getting clarity out then uh, about a year later we got Mick to join us and then came the whole the whole troop right the, that included eddie and angela and everybody else that came yeah, yeah and an amazing brilliant, team brilliant people
0: and um it- it's one of the things I find so fascinating all these years later is just how elegant that core of that product was that it still runs rings around uh, some of the advanced solutions today. So the solutions look prettier, they run faster on higher speed tech and, and so forth, but the 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 core of that was just designed so brilliantly and... Um, I guess it also leveraged a lot of earlier learnings and, and possibly failures with uh, with earlier iterations, but leveraged a lot of what was happening at ITU at the time, uh, a lot of crossover with ITU naming conventions and so forth.
1: Absolutely. So, so, so you know, we, we had the chance to start from scratch and do it. Uh, with with a real customer, and that's really the the key in any new technology, any product you may want to launch. You know, find that early adopter, find someone mm. you can you can evolve and and really deliver a fit for purpose solution to meet that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to that 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 strategy really really worked with us. Yeah, so Time Telecom was really
0: that that first seed customer. Yeah, till
1: '97. We were there for three. It took us three years to uh, to build it within an ecosystem that involved many other players, CRM players, billing systems. So it was really a full BSS OSS that uh, we put together for for Time Telecom. The, the team it, they set up a separate company which I ran for a couple of years called Time Quantum, and then Time Quantum did deals with a whole bunch of big guys, Accenture. But the OSS bid was uh, was kept um, with clarity. Um, so that was that took us about '97. And then yeah. we had a product and one customer. <laughs> and
0: tell us what happened next? What, what, how did you find the next customers? And was it already productized to, to a point? Or was there a lot of consultation and, and build involved to, to take it to the second, the third, the fourth customer?
1: Well, to, to be honest the um uh, 97 was hit by a um uh, an asian crisis yeah you yeah, remember the asian crisis so so that meant you know it was it was one of the most stressful times for all of us because uh, you know customers could in particular time could not pay us they they went to chapter 11 mm. It was uh, there was incredible uh, location. a lot of money was owed to us so um we were sort of forced to to leave Malaysia. It was a very comfortable position to be there with a, a single customer, a very dangerous one. But mm. you know, you, we had to stop uh, and then say, okay, what happens next? And uh, for me, my dad was dying of cancer at the time, so uh, I decided with my wife Samantha to come back to Australia, um, and, and and the rest of the team also came back to Australia. So so we we we, we opened up a little office here in Australia and began to uh, you know promote our technology. That was proven with one early adopter. Mm. Uh, to Optus, um, to AAPT, Telstra. And we went, you know, uh, knocking door to door. I was the salesman um, and Mick and Peter were, you know, the technical leaders. Um, Angela was, you know, the, the product manager. So, so everyone had a role um, and we, we, sh- we obviously shared some of the, uh, the, the shareholding among some of the key players there as well. Uh, the, uh, the idea was to create something that, you know, they all had a level of ownership in. So for a few years, we promoted the product base, and we also provided some level of support back to time as well. Um, And we were lucky to to really get a contract uh, with AAPT. A a number of people in AAPT believed in the team, and it really was about believing in the team, trusting the team, and knowing that that the technology was proven. So we won a major tender in AAPT, and that was really the second customer uh, that we we had. Uh, We also had some some good, great work with Optus and, and Global One uh, along the way, that helped us to, to widen until, you know, we got to about the end of, uh, of 99, uh, when we had, you know, one, a few contracts, uh, we had more than, you know, we had about three customers. Um, and we built momentum and the, and the team was probably around about 24 people here in North Sydney. Um, so that's the, that's, that was the first, I guess, the first decade uh, of clarity.
0: Yeah, and ideal having customers like Optus and AAPT in your backyard for a, an industry where it tends to be a bit global and you you have to take your implementation
1: team all around the world for each new project. Absolutely and I guess that's where you know we, we sort of met right around that time but soon thereafter as we as we went through a few steps but yeah creating a, a good solid base of customers and being customer centric and also people centric in terms of the team you have to look after the team -hmm. It is all about the team, in my opinion.
0: Yeah,
1: and then then you branched out and and
0: won projects in Philippines with PLDT, Taiwan with others. Only only
1: because we were by then we were a public company, right? Only because of that. So we hadn't. uh, we didn't, we, we didn't begin the trigger of winning the big guys until we became public because that, you know, first you have the early adopters, the people that know and trust you. And the then, then yeah, yeah, you, you need to, you know, you need to look different because people won't bet the farm with a, with a small company at that point. You needed to be a bigger company. You need to be public. You need to be successful. Um, so, that, so that became, I guess, the, uh, the trigger for the next phase of customers from about 22,000 onwards.
0: Yeah, so the IPO was the year two thousand, was it? Correct. Yeah, that's that was. Uh, and what sort of feelings did that evoke? Had you been through an IPO before, and uh, who
1: kind of helped you through that? No, no, we we had some great mentors, um, you know, that, that that guided us through that, and, and some early investors. Obviously, once we had some customers, we were able to um, to get some uh, some. Um, mentors I mean, In fact, the, the very first, the very first uh, supporter and mentor, and uh, was a gentleman by the name of bronnie Attar, whom we met in one of these, um, you know, Harvard School uh, alumni gatherings. Uh, with uh, I was I was the, the the spouse, with my wife being the main, and in there I met him, and uh, and he said, "Wow, tell me more." And uh, one thing led to another, and uh, he brought in an investor, a major investor, uh, uh, Theo Baker from um, from Powerland. Mm-hmm. Um, who you know in the process injected funds that, that allowed us to uh, to to go public in two thousand.
0: Wow. Yeah. So and then from the IPO, what, what sort of maximum size did you get up to, either in terms of you know, employees, uh, market cap, whatever type metrics that you'd like to share to give the the audience a, a feel for just how impressive Clarity
1: was. Well, I think we were quite lucky because this was uh, this was during the boom times, uh, the dot com boom times. Uh, we were more of a brick and mortar company in comparison to the dot com guys. But but you know the when we when we floated the company in two thousand, we were one of the top ten floats of the year, and we you mm-hmm. know we uh, our, our share price went up by um, about five six times, and uh, you know it was it was it was amazing to watch. Um, but, but you know, we, we were all very young and naive and, and really didn't understand it. Uh, we didn't understand the, the, the essence of finance and, and you know, the, the things that um, are required to, to make a successful company. So it was very, very important for us to bring expertise uh, to help us scale. And that's, that's another major lesson, I guess, uh, that we've learned along the way is that you, you've got to know your limitations. And, and if you want to continue to grow, you have to bring in new people and then continue to leverage your existing people with the new people. Mm. Uh, and that's really is very very hard
0: mm. I imagine your role changed through that through that growth period as well as i guess in the early days you you probably wear multiple hats and then uh as you grow and bring uh, more people in you get to delegate some of those but how would you you say that your your role changed during the period from you know from i p o or even from uh from the original uh, startup through to, to I guess when Clarity was at its peak.
1: Well, uh, for the first ten years, I was its CEO, but we, we didn't we weren't we weren't that uh, tied up on on labels. You know, it, mm. it was basically three three member three teams. Th- sorry, three guys who were partners, and every decision had to be agreed by all three. Um, so for the first ten years, I was the CEO, and and I had a certain role. My role was to make sure that we sold the technology, and it, and it actually was fit for purpose to what the industry required. Uh, Peter and Mick were the technologists who made made work and then orchestrated the team to get things done. Um, then, then of course, as we went forward and we got to a, a turnover that went, you know, over 46 million, um, and then we had, you know, a few hundred people. To maybe almost three three hundred and fifty people, mm. it, it it became uh, bigger, and it required different skills. So we we be, we, we brought on board uh, financial people. We brought on board uh, new investors and new investors, investors. brought in a uh, new um, uh, board members. Uh, the new board members brought in you know more more experienced as uh, leaders and and uh, across across the company, including the CEO role. So so I. I um, uh, moved away from the CEO role and became the chairman of the company uh, for a couple of years um, before the, we then got another round of investor. And, and really one of, one of my biggest industry mentors uh, was a gentleman, uh, he's a gentleman, of Dr. Ian. Um, and and, and uh, what, what um, uh, Ian uh, basically uh, demonstrated was that you, know, you, you can in fact grow the company and, and inc- have your existing people continue to participate while you're bringing new blood. Um, you know, there is, there is a mechanism for, for doing that and uh, his passion really took, uh, took clarity. Uh, after our first investors, which is Theo Baker and uh, leaders like Tom Matic were in there, we, we brought then another set of investors um, and, and Dr. Ian Campbell was, in fact, the, uh, the, 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 ne- the next investor for the next 10 years and he, he did some magic with the company, right? He brought a lot of uh, expertise. He actually became the chairman of the company. He ran the board. Uh, but at that point, my role had evolved to be you know, one of a, one of a, of a founder uh, and uh, and my role was to ensure that the product went in the right direction. So to me, the, the title isn't as important, but the team is the key thing and, and being able to co- contribute to that team as it evolves uh, is really the real the real beauty in creating something that can go for 20, 25 years.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I guess you took over that, the...
0: Uh, the chief evangelist and uh, and helping to to steer the company. and one of the things I'm always intrigued about with uh, OSS companies is how to how to find that balance between uh, having a roadmap and being driven by some of the the really big and important customers. So how did you find uh, trying to find that balance, or was that more left with uh, with the likes of the
1: the peters and uh, and mix? No, I think it's very, very important that you do have a vision about what you want your solution to do in yeah, the industry. Yeah. So 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 we, we we had a vision for clarity. Our, our vision was to make the, op, the operational management of complex infrastructure simple. And, and 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 we wanted, and that evolved into into being able to automate um, you know, infrastructure, whether it be power networks or telecom networks, or whether it be the complex infrastructure in the home or that of the enterprise. So we so we had, we always had that same vision that we started with. Um, and, and everything we did in the product, everything we, we tried to evolve was all about Trying to get something that, that allowed that, uh, that vision to be deployed. Um, so so as, uh, as a team, we understood the, the, the beauty of the, a unified system that, that modeled the complexity, that understood the behavior of the complexity, um, the topology of that complexity, and then mapped that to the requirements of the people who use that complexity. So, so um, you know, we, we tried to keep true to what we were trying to build and, and uh, the role we had was to convince the customer this is really what would help them get more revenue, what would help them to be more effective and cheaper to run. Mm. Um, so, so, you know, it has, to be, uh, it has to be less about, you know, saying, look, uh, what do you want me to build to I, I believe the industry at this point needs this. Let me, let me explain why we think this is what's required because what we found, the tenders that were out there were not for unified OSS systems. The tenders yeah, were for best of breed. Yes. So no, it was very hard to convince someone that you can, you can do the same with a team of you know, with a few hundred uh, with what effectively was 17 uh, other companies would, would need to put together. And that came in with Reliance when we won the Reliance project. You know, yeah. We, we had to explain this to Mukesh Ambani, another, another brilliant uh, influencer in my life. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he saw it and he said, uh, this is exactly what he did in the petrochemical industry. It was the ERP of petrochemical, he, says, he always says, is the ERP of operational management for telcos. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you know, uh, we, we got those sponsors. You, you have to have that conversation about where the industry is heading. You have to drive that vision.
0: Yeah, and I believe that was a a key part of winning PT-Telcom in those early days as well, that uh, two men and a laptop could come in and demonstrate incredibly powerful use cases. And then some of the other, um, I guess, shortlisted vendors came in with 10 servers and a team of 50 and and still weren't able to to produce the the number of use cases that the Clarity team could at at that point. And um, I guess also the fact that you whilst I call Clarity and OSS really, it covered so much of the BSS space as well with, uh, with the service order management and, and um, so many other
1: aspects. Uh, absolutely. And, and of course, then we, we had, as we grew, we had new blood, new, new people, new dreams. Um, you, know, you joined us uh, you know, with the work that we did in Taiwan and many other places. Uh, so so as, as we brought new blood and new people, the, 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 it sort of reinforced the, 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 what we were building, how we were deploying it, and how we we were supporting it as as an ongoing concern, and we got better and better and then of course, agile came in, and we were developing far more in a far more streamlined manner um, so so yeah, so it uh, overall it, it was a good journey, but but at the end, you know when we look back, uh, could we have done things a little differently, and maybe yeah we, we've realized that maybe you know it should have been done totally different, uh, but you know that's that's the benefit of hindsight yeah, so do you say that in terms of the the
0: technology or, or more of the the business setup, the the revenue model, those kind of other more financial or, or business. Uh, terminologies.
1: No, no. For, for, I mean, uh, I mean, all of the above are, are, are important. Uh, but uh, to me, I, I, I'm I'm thinking more in terms of you know, um, in order to get uh, the buying of of the the companies, in in order to get the buying of the people who approve these tenders uh, and and stated the requirements, we we needed to really be sensitive to the business needs as they saw them, or as our core team, all of our team and developers were ex telecom, knew the business problems really really well, and mm. and so 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 we did ask the operational people. You know what would be the best things you need to make this a really powerful technology. And in, in asking that, what what really they were telling us was that they wanted to be embedded in the process. They <laughs> yes. they wanted a job. So 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 for example, in a, in an infantry system and A to Z automatic design. No, no, no. They they wanted the each, each uh, I guess leg to be uh, to be proposed, and they wanted to to be, so so the A to Z or auto uh, provisioning was a difficult thing to get implemented. So so we 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 build a lot of technology that I think in hindsight, had we gone you know with the zero touch automated, uh, you know we, we we would have been better served. Our customers would have been better served. But you know it's all about change management and maturity of these companies. Yeah. And I think it's a challenge for the industry even now. So uh,
0: we talk about uh, the zero touch and, and really low operator count, but uh, reality is is the people who are in there as operators still really want to want to keep those roles, and um, there's still a bit of a, a case of uh, building systems for people rather than building systems for machine to-machine interactions
1: yeah, for the business. but but it's coming, and yeah. and it's yeah, sure. it, we've been challenged by it now, so I think it is. Uh... The industry is heading in the right direction and the technologies are allowing us to do that of course
0: yeah absolutely and that's where i was touching on the i guess the the revenue model too is the the modern way of doing it as software as a service means the the more even flow of, of revenue rather than really lumpy uh, that was the tradition back then did big monolithic projects and very lumpy
1: revenue streams uh, totally. I mean, we—I remember in 2002 when Atlassian were, were kicking off there in uh, in Sydney, we we were laughing at their model. I said, "How would these guys ever make any money?" I'd, we don't get <laughs> it. They're giving away their technology, and uh, you know, and, and to, to us, it was it was you know hunger and feast with major contracts. Then the next big contract. Yeah. Uh, whereas they, steady as she went, they they had the correct model. Uh, and yeah. now, in hindsight, commercially, yeah. that would have been something that you know. Uh, we should have seen uh, but we weren't we were too too stuck in the way that uh, traditional software developers were at that time so it's always important to surround yourself with people that are, that push you out of your norm and, and and allow you to see the bigger picture that's something i, I would advise as well always yeah. question the way you do things um, and think of maybe better ways yeah absolutely
0: so tell us a little bit more so at uh, at one point i guess the the, the ownership of Clarity transitioned over through to Synchronous. Uh, tell us oh, yeah, a little so bit so about the exit um, and your pivot uh, yeah, within the, the OSS industry.
1: Absolutely. So there were, there were um, I guess, a number of uh, of large deals that uh, we were hoping we would get. Remember, in the same model of, of feast and famine, mm. uh, we were shortlisted. And uh, I understand we were, in fact, recommended to the board for NBN as their OSS system. But Yeah, I've heard that. But, but we, uh, we know we basically didn't get that. And there were a number of other deals we did not get. So, so the, the, the time came when, you know, our investors uh, had to make a decision, you know, at what point do, do, do they get their money back? At what point do they realize? And, and uh, our investors made a decision at that point, uh, Dr. Ian Campbell, that, you know, yeah, it, it, 10 years has been a good time and now this is the time for him to collect. Um, so the, the company was put up for sale. There are a number of interested parties, Put up their hand and at the end synchronous was the company that bought uh the, the uh, mostly uh, bought the ip as well as the contracts that we had in asia they wanted the asia market that those telcos um and uh, yeah so so yes, yeah, it was sold um to synchronous at that time yeah mm.
0: and uh, i guess it was probably around about that time maybe a little earlier that you you became something of a chief evangelist with uh, tm forum as well so Tell us a little bit about TM Forum's role in the industry, and also the the role that
1: you performed, and and what made you well suited to it. I know. yeah, no, absolutely. The the when I started my work with TM Forum when I was deep in in that was uh, about ten years ago, twenty ten, as an advisor to the chairman, uh, Keith. uh, You know, I was I've been involved in the TM Forum when it was known as the NMS standard uh, NMS Forum, and that was you know when we were part of OTC. Uh, you know, in those days, there was uh, there was AT&T, BT, uh, Telstra, KDD, and there was the need to create a standard network management system for all that, all of these telcos. So, I've known Keith uh, from you know way way back, and uh, so so Keith approached me and said, "Look, I, I can see you're doing some good work there with uh, with Clarity. I really want to make sure that we create an industry for." The telcos for the, the, the vendors in the industry. So can you advise me on the sorts of things that and so he, he reached out to you know a, a number of advisors in the in and I was one of them. Um, and uh, our job was to just provide feedback on the sorts of things we thought uh, a standard body should do to uh, to in for the to create the good of the industry. And, uh, and so I've, I've been doing that role now since uh, 2010. So it's almost 10 years. And, and, and the group of advisors now are known as, as ambassadors. Um, and, and the reason why I, I guess it, uh, it, it sort of resonated with uh, people like me was because we were out there talking to customers. I, I used to spend three to four weeks a month overseas visiting, you know, all sorts of places, all sorts of telcos in Africa, Middle East, Europe, U.S., Latin America. So, so that meant that I was in front of the customers. So, you know, I took off my clarity hat and said, okay, now let's talk about how do we work together as an industry to get uh, the common good. Um, so it was once again an evangelist role. Yeah, and uh, maybe for people who aren't familiar with TM Forum, maybe perhaps
0: tell a little bit about what they do and, and some of their, their key assets and, and
1: outcomes that they look for. Absolutely. The, the team forum you know, has uh, almost uh, I mean uh, 900 on, uh, members. and it is an industry uh, body, non- nonprofit that tries to understand the business problems of its customers so that it can create reusable uh, architectures, reusable solutions. and it, it really it, it, in terms of a team it's, it's a little over hundred people. but what they do is they orchestrate and organize the industry to solve problems that are common to the industry. So whether that be, you know, open APIs uh, or the way in which you may want to model a network or what would be standard business processes. Um, so so it, it tries to define the challenges of every member and say, okay, what are the common things we can uh, we can collaborate on and create uh, approaches that at least the vendors can be compliant to so that it reduces the cost uh, to all, all, all the whole industry. So um, it is a very hands-on Commercially focused uh, team, um, which has, you know, led to I believe a major savings to the industry uh, over the years, and uh, and you know all vendors uh, that want to. Contribute to tenders have to comply to the to the the API standards, Open API, the the uh, Open Digital Architecture. There are and, and it's also very uh, very practical to the sense that now you know we're talking about a marketplace of reusable technology that mm-hmm. would be hosted by uh, by the T M Forum. So I love it. I mean that we have shows, we have um, conferences. There are, you know, every day three or four meetings that are uh, you can join Uh, if you're down under. Unfortunately, they're like very early in the morning. Yeah, I've Uh, been on some of those over the over the last year or so. No, it's absolutely wonderful team, and I think uh, I encourage anyone to um, to to join absolutely, Uh, whether you're a vendor or whether you are just an individual, a professional. There's a whole bunch of accreditation and and training uh, that uh, you can get, uh, or if you're a vendor, it's a great way to collaborate.
0: Yeah, and even just defining the boundaries. So earlier on, you talked about best of breed, and in the early days, uh, I guess there was was almost a wild west of functionality. You put whatever you wanted into into your monolithic OSS, but now it, it's become a lot more. The the modules are, are more clearly defined by ITM uh, by forms, TAM, and the framework standard is more of a, a common data model, and and those kind of things, which makes it more. Interchangeable and and best of breed becomes uh, easier to do and then now onto open API and and the ODA standards as well, looking to to reduce the the integration tax. So even just as a as a consultant like myself, I, I find the TAM a fantastic map for showing the functionality of uh, of applications and uh, yeah just how they how they relate to each other, but also it's less of a wild west and, and a lot more modular, based on the fantastic work that TM Forum has done.
1: Absolutely, and the one thing about TM Forum, it it, it shadows the uh, the IT industry as a whole. So so now we are talking about microservices, reusable architectures, um, you know, creating a marketplace of reusable components, open source. I mean, it, it's really pushed the envelope of our industry, at, but at the same time, it, it has it has absolutely shattered the IT developments, uh, which are across industry, yeah. so leveraging them and putting them into our standards. And I guess that partly becomes, it
0: comes from the fact that the subscribers also create the content. So you have, like you said, 900 members and participants from those 900 100 members have a really wide uh, array of knowledge about IT and telco and open source and all those other things. And they they bring in some of the, the best of the best from other worlds as well.
1: But but, uh, don't forget the core orchestrators—the people who are at the center of this. Like, for example, George Glass, the CDO. The the, the core team, in fact, is are the um, the secret source uh, of, in my view, of um, the team from David Milham. I mean, some of these guys who've been in the industry for so long—they they they drive, lead, and orchestrate each of these sub teams and uh, pull it all together into one uh, harmonious. deliverable. So no, there's over a hundred odd people in there, and uh, they're doing a magical role. Yeah, indeed. I
0: have huge admiration for the the roles that David and George, amongst others, do, and uh, the visionary work that Nick does as well, with uh, as the the CEO and helping to steer some of the direction of the the industry, as well as leveraging yourself and the other ambassadors.
1: Absolutely, and, and, and uh, we're looking forward, I guess, to the next, the next few years under uh, Nick's leadership It's uh, some great work happening. Yeah, so um,
0: do you, are you able to share with us a little bit about some of the the huge challenges that so we've accomplished so much as an industry and um, on leveraging the work of TM Forum, but what are the other the big challenges that you see that are yet to be solved and TM Forum's working away hard
1: on? But I I think, you know, we have to get closer to the customer. We have to get, I mean, the the ideal here is to almost create an operational management capability that is uh, contextual to the individual. So what do I want to do next? What are the things that make my life easy? Mm. Um, So so how can I orchestrate my world? Um, And how do I move the power of the complexity around me to understand me and my next best thing? Uh, predict the things I do. So all of the magic, all the technology that we're applying to orchestrate the network, orchestrate those services that are defined on that network, uh, the way in which they're mapped to the customer, all those things are and have been very manual and very clunky. We need to have to streamline the way in which we surround the individual, and this this is the individual customer of our customers, of the telcos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so I think as an industry, we, we, we just need to um, get that automation all the way to the individual. Um, And and really this is, and then how do you leverage all of the power that we have in in these complex infrastructures to to the need of that individual? So so there is is a lot of work that's happening in our industry uh, from the network intelligence intelligence upwards uh, and also from the uh, orchestration downwards, uh, the the OSS, BSS. But then, more importantly, the the, um, uh, the the interaction to the individual, you know, the the e-commerce and uh, and the customer experience channels. Mm. Um, so all of that, I think, it needs to be streamlined into one one operational engine. Um, and and I think as an industry, we're working towards that. Obviously, there are a lot of players, uh, and and the way to get there is not to create one big monolith, but to create mm. a solution of uh, of microservices driven. Uh, technologies that can then be orchestrated to deliver the things that I, as an individual, need uh, to live my life. Um, and, and communication is a key thing, but there are many, many other things I need. And, and as an industry, we, we can orchestrate those things. Because yeah. They're, they're, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and I think you encapsulated it really
0: well there, that uh, the focus is to be on the customer's customer. So uh, I guess in terms of our traditional customer, we've seen as building operational tools for uh, the operators. But really, we have to make the next step in and the mindset shift to the customer's customer and building things for the people who actually use or rely on the, the back office and front office uh, type systems that are BSS. So that's a really good encapsulation. Um, and I still still don't think that many people really take that perspective.
1: So um, I'm impressed that you do. Well, the, the, the best is yet to come in for our industry, I believe. Um, yeah, absolutely. I still think, the, you know, if you're keen to solve the problems of industry, the, the, the ability to get a startup and then start solving the problem from the customer down, there are huge opportunities. Um, so I would encourage that, you know, the the, the younger generation who are, are keen to solve the things outside the box. Uh, this is one area that I think would serve mankind well
0: yeah I completely agree so I'm completely in awe of the the systems like the clarities and the the, the geniuses who have created all of those tools and yet um, part of the the reason that I'm still passionate about OSS is there's still so much more that we we still can do every day there's a new thing that we can do to contribute to that so absolutely and in exciting space
1: the, the telco industry uh, were were the uh, the uh, the torchbearers of this uh, because of competition and deregulation but you know you've done a lot of work in other industries as well but you know that needs that whole operational management um, across across industry I think is key and, and all the way down to even the home and and how all that gets orchestrated into one and how do you, how do you how do you deliver the things and and the quality of service and the automation required to to you know to to give that that human that the, the thing he needs in a in a proactive uh, artificial intelligence learning sort of way. Um, absolutely.
0: Uh, I mean, it, it's almost every business is an e-business now, and every e-business relies on on comms and the uh, the tools that support those comms and support their ability to run the, the business more efficiently.
1: Absolutely absolutely.
0: All right, so um, I guess moving on from TM Forum, you're now with Tech Mahendra, your CTO with Tech M as a, a massive SI. So tell us a little bit more about TechM and your, your
1: role with them. No, TechM, uh, you know, I, I, I ran into TechM over 20 years ago uh, yeah. in Pune. I, um, as part of Clarity, I, I presented to it. It was called MBT. And uh, I wanted to partner with, uh, with uh, MBT, and which we did. We partnered uh, with MBT that then became uh, TechMahindra. And I had the privilege of working with you know some some, some wonderful people there. Manish Vass, um, CP. I mean, I still have some of the some of the uh, awards that CP gave us as a partner uh, mm. in my in my kitchen of all places. A beautiful uh, <laughs> Indian Indian uh, lovely. Um, so 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 I've I've actually had the pleasure of working with. Um, uh, with Tech Mahindra, one of our prime partners uh, for almost uh, over 20 years. Yes, yeah, So, so uh, w- when when uh, we sold Clarity, uh, I mean, I continued working uh, with an- another uh, great company in that, um, called Imagine. I was working with them for over 10 years as part of their board and uh, advisory, and uh, we actually sold uh, Imagine to Conviva, which is a subsidiary of Tech Mahindra. So um, at that point, I basically uh, joined, uh, was invited to to, to join at mahindra uh, uh, by you know, Manish Vas Jason Long, and a number of other mm. players that I'd worked with in the industry for a long time. And uh, they they had a they had a role that needed to be done. They they wanted someone to orchestrate, you know, the where the industry was heading back with the engine room and make sure that we we delivered fit for purpose uh, solutions to to the customers that they had. And uh, it's it, it, it's a wonderful experience because you you basically get access and view of of the whole industry all the way from the network nuts and bolts through to the the you know the the, the digital journeys uh, that are required in order to create that customer experience. So you get to see the whole the whole not only the OSS but the whole picture, which is um, which really is an eye opener. Yeah, no, I mean OSS touches, OSS
0: BSS touches all parts of a telco and and many many modern industries or modern businesses. It, I imagine, yeah, as you said, the the role of an SI goes even further, and um, the the breadth of the people that uh, that are working on those. So your role as uh, APAC CTO, do you
1: you sort of see those further reaches? No, absolutely. Um, if, if you think about taking look at their revenue, half their revenue comes from delivering solutions, digital solutions to enterprises. Yeah. So half comes from telco. So so they've got the whole ecosystem from the telco enabler through to the uh, the enterprises that use the telco services. Mm. So so you know you 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 see the whole supply chain. Yeah. And has that enabled you
0: to to look more? more broadly at the industry than say you may have done that uh, whilst working just on the OSSB as a space of
1: clarity. Totally, totally. I mean, I would do this without being paid. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but you know, yeah. it, is, it is amazing. Uh, the challenges, the issues, the problems, um, and that really forces you to think about, you know, where are we heading as an industry? Where, where are the next big opportunities that, uh, you know, uh, need to be solved um, by, by a bunch of innovators? Um, so, so that's that's really uh, it, it, it. It is a very lucky role, in my view. And I imagine that's the reason that the the Jasons
0: and CPs would have uh, brought you on is that ability to think outside the box and think about doing things differently than the way we've always done them in telco or OSS
1: and so forth. I don't know. Maybe the guy they wanted didn't take the job, and <laughs> I <have no> idea. <laughs> but it's wonderful working with them. It is indeed. Yeah. So
0: I, I guess. What's changed since you since you first started out in in this industry? What have you you learned? Not just from a technological perspective, but you, you talked about a focus on people. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to get your ideas on
1: what's changed since uh, those early days at OTC. Well, it, it's it's now almost forty years since I've joined the industry, and uh, in those four decades, uh, I'm amazed by how much things have not changed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it, 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 the challenges of orchestrating a team of people to solve technical problems remains the same. How do you motivate, drive and, and, and create uh, persistence yes. um, to get the problem solved? Uh, how do you motivate people? All of those things are as complex as they were uh, to me 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. um but that's a challenge the technology well sure we have we have more powerful technology to solve the problems but we still need to be clever about solving those problems with that technology and sometimes we can be too close to the technology to see the real solution yes. so so now we're still falling for the trap of you know um solving a problem we perceive is there and then hoping that people will come and buy it um you know we we, we, we i think the rules uh, that are required to innovate um, and maybe better understood, but um, our ability as, a, as an industry to solve them, I think, um, is evolving. Um, and uh, I, think, I think, you know, as I said earlier, I think the best is yet to come, but we've, we've got to focus on people. We've got to focus on how to understand our real customer and then how to deliver to that customer things that they want and would pay money for. How to create co- uh, m- uh, novel commercial models that uh, is skin in the game. Um, you know, we, we, we've sort of learned what not to do uh, as as an OSS industry, but also as a telecom industry. Mm. Uh, but I think there's a lot more learning to be had, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I guess the the whole model of telecoms has changed so much, uh, and yet the the underpinnings, I guess, is still. Uh, the, the elements of X-25 are still in modern protocols. And so at a technological stack, it's it's still the same. But um, the telco world has, well, it's revolutionized the world. But as much as it
1: changes, it still stays the same, I guess, as the old saying goes. It is. But, but what we need to be careful is that we don't become the telegram industry. We don't become the yeah. banking industry. And and that, you know, that there, there are a lot of dangers with the hyperscalers absolutely Uh, being able to solve the real problem rather than solving a bit of the problem yeah i agreed completely
0: all right um so what's something that you believe in about this industry that nobody else does what's a contrarian view you might hold
1: um that it it can all be automated (laughs) Uh, we we, we don't really need uh, i mean if you look at my laptop there are no people in there Yet it does so many wonderful things. I think one thing that, not a mechanical uh, trick. Well, it, it, the idea, the, the, the yeah, we can have a debate on it, but I think uh, <laughs> if, if you solve the problem correctly, you could in fact deliver some, some amazing capabilities. So we just have to understand what the real problem is that we're trying to solve. And challenge ourselves to solve. This is this is what Amazon and Google have taught us. I mean, they they have such complex infrastructure and the number of people looking after the infrastructure. I mean, just look at DevSecOps, right? Yeah. Uh, the the ops is is effectively just uh, a, a normal f- a form of development. <laughs> um, that it's it's continually evolving, continually changing. Um, you know, so so, so there is uh, so much that the, uh, the hyperscalers have taught us. And the one thing they have taught us is that you you can you can really push the envelope. And to me, zero touch is very doable. Zero touch is here, and can be made here. And uh, and at the end, we're going to have an orchestrated infrastructure that will be um, automatically mapping our needs, Um, Mm. and and it will be built by you know reusable components in a very light way, open source way, in containers, uh, out in the cloud. Um, and, 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 and the intelligence, I guess, is, is what we need to put a lot of energy in there to achieve that. But I would, I'm a firm believer that that is uh, where we will be as an industry. And how are
0: you personally positioning yourself to, to make use of that macro trend or perhaps not just yourself, but also in the, the positions that you hold
1: with the likes of Tech Mahindra? Well, I, uh, my my only role uh, really in throughout the last four decades has been as as a orchestrator and motivator of of, of humans to ensure that they can get the problems solved correctly. Mm. So, so my job is to is to you know get rid of the get rid of the barriers that people have, the teams have in getting to innovate things, to solve things. So. Um, I, I, I would say the, uh, the, um, the best way that we as an industry can get this job done uh, would be to uh, not look at the past too much uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and believe that we know. We have to have the humility to understand that maybe what we've done in the past have been good approximations, but really not, not, have not solved the problem. So being able to clean the slate and say, okay, how would I do this if I had to start again how do I unshackle myself from the legacy and legacy thinking? Um, and this is I mean, this is the whole concept of design thinking, right? Um, so, so that that I think uh, would be a, a critical thing. Um, and 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 really, what I like to do is to continue to contribute to teams who want and have a common purpose at at, at doing what we do in a better way. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that be just as a, as a facilitator uh, or um, or uh, you know a motivator or someone that can you know uh, help. Bring investment and teams together to create um, the next best thing.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic perspective. I kind of see that in myself as well. I see myself as a connector, connector of ideas, people, projects, products, all of those things to to make this industry uh, even even more amazing than it is. And you talk a lot about people, and you've worked alongside a lot of amazingly impressive people so are there any common traits that you see amongst them that that you believe others should aspire to or, um yeah some hints to to other listeners perhaps of uh how to yeah how to become the best they can in this industry
1: right yes that's a very good question very good question i mean i'm by the way i'm, I'm just amazed by the energy you have i don't know how you find the time to do all the things you do no. But uh, I'm mean, very impressed, very impressed by that. Um, in terms of what you need to have to achieve the things you want to have, or what have I seen in the like in, 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 you know, I've had in working with some of these, um, some of these people uh, like Muki Shambani and, uh, yeah. and Peter DeMantis and others, um, Martin Picard, those guys, what I, what I saw was passion, right? There was passion. Uh, and then there was this, this drive to get the outcome, so there was focus, drive, and passion. And, and the one thing I never heard these guys do is talk about why not. Talk mm. about the bad. They, they almost have a way of turning down the volume of all the things that are dragging the, the outcome. So, so they, they, they don't focus on things that are wrong. They focus on things that are right, and they make the wrong right. Mm. And they do that through passion and drive. And that's that's a common uh, a common capability that I have seen in all of these um, all of these achievers. Um, they have they have this drive to get things done. They have this energy. You know, they wake up early in the morning and they they bring things together. Um, that's that's I think what I I, would, I have noticed as a, as mm-hmm. a common trait. And they've
0: obviously inspired you along the way. Is that. Do you think it's something that they set out to do—is to inspire the people that they bring along with them, more and therefore the leadership traits that they they potentially have, or is it just more of a innate? They have their own personal passion, and and others tend to have just followed uh,
1: in their slipstream with the energy that they bring. They direct the passion to the team. That's what yep. I've seen, right? So, yep. so they they basically give confidence to a team of people to get things done. Mm-hmm. And they and they motivate them when the team feels that you know it's not possible. Mm. Um, so so you know that that is something. So 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 being able to to drive and motivate with that passion um, is really what what sets them apart. And then and then that that really is leadership. Yeah, as you say, it is it is that leadership skill. Um, too often, I see a lot of very, very good people who, when 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 things don't work out, they sit in the corner and feel sorry for themselves. Mm. I never see that with these other gentlemen or ladies. They have this mm. sense of achievement and uh, it doesn't matter. I pick myself up and I'll just try again tomorrow morning. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So in the roles that you've had,
0: they've been very broad ranging and, and the telco and OSS industry in itself is really broad ranging, the technologies, the processes, the, everything's proliferating so quickly. How do you stay abreast of it? Where, where do you go to find your knowledge and, and, and find out the things that you don't know that pop up in, in conversations that um, happen every day?
1: You jump in the deep end of the pool. You constantly jump in. You don't be afraid uh, to enter a room that is trying to solve a problem you've never heard of before, yeah. because in, it, it really the, the thing you have as an individual is uh, your ability to learn and solve complex problems. That's all you learned at university, you know how to how to learn and how to solve complex problems. So so. Constantly challenge yourself uh, with the things you don't know. And in the process of trying to solve that problem with things you don't know, you have to research, you have to read, mm. you have to understand, you have to talk to other experts and ask silly questions. Don't be afraid to show your ignorance. Mm. Um, and, but in that, that way, you learn. In that way, you, 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 you know basically become abreast of the issues. Mm. Um, but you've got to be a good listener and you know, you've got to be a good reader. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think you touched on it earlier on too, just the humility that this industry has an amazing way of making you feel humble, that the amazing people that you work alongside and just are astounded by their their level of knowledge. But also just knowing that even the, the best of the best don't know everything there is to know. It's such a, such a wide
1: open uh, uh, area of interest that we've got. I, mean, I remember the, the, the guys in OTC when they were describing you know, PDH technology and their ability to discover to the nth degree was just breathtaking. And then, of course, that was superseded by, by SDH. And then, yeah. then they overcame that and became you know, ITU experts and went out there and, and I just watched them and they memorized and get on the whiteboard and and, was, and you say, well, how did they get there? Yeah. How did they get there? And they got there by working hard and jumping into the deep end of the pool and saying, okay, well, I've got to swim now. Don't yeah, be afraid absolutely. of things you don't know. Yeah. So uh, we're
0: getting close to the end here, I guess. Uh, so any other pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share with any of the
1: listeners out there, Tony? Well, I have no pearls of wisdom. <laughs> All I've got is the scars and uh, earned through the school of hard knocks. So if you want mm-hmm. to know. <laughs> maybe maybe describe
0: some of those. It's a, it's a really good point. I haven't really talked about the the challenges or ordeals that, uh, along the way, but... Um, Perhaps you'd like to enlighten us because that's one of the things that I guess, uh, again, it's a humility about the industry. We've
1: all failed in many ways along the way. No, I mean, if, if I had to look at the, the things that are, you know I know are important, I've learned are important in, in defining the success of tomorrow, it's people, it's the culture of the people, it's influencing that culture to ensure that the people work as a team uh, and, and how you, as a leader, could can create an ecosystem where you can achieve some wonderful things by breaking down these these uh, these typical barriers that occur in humans. So how do I create a, a, a great team to achieve great things? How do I create that culture? That's very, very, very important. That's the most important thing in my mind. Um, and then, of course, the, the ability to, um, to not get stuck with legacy and thinking that, you know, you've solved the problem and I'm going to milk this now for the, next, um, you know, for the next 10 years. You've got to constantly reinvent yourself and constantly apply new ways of solving the problem and even looking at the way in which you, you could solve that problem you know, apply design thinking. Mm. What does the customer really want? Am I really solving the right problem? Uh, and, and constantly learn new ways of uh, motivating that team and, and, and analyzing the issues that you're trying to solve and be guided by the early adopters. Mm. Be guided by the early adopters uh, of your technology and, and um, don't build it without having an early adopter next to you mm. uh, because you can lose a lot of money. And then mm. the whole issue of money, you know, managing cash flow. Making sure your, your balance sheet is clean and ensuring cash flows uh, is uh, and, and money is well managed. Don't don't buy the big, nice, uh, comfortable carpet, you know, and big offices. Mm. You know, focus on on real things that need to be invested in. Uh, the other things will look after themselves once you've got your commercial model right. Um, so the, these are some of the I mean, three things that come to mind uh, that you know I, I learned through the school of hard knocks and I've got a lot of scars to show for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't we all? It's an amazing industry for uh, slapping us on the back of the head. So, Tony, where where can people find you if they've been inspired by what they've heard today? Oh, where LinkedIn. Are you? Uh, uh, yeah,
1: LinkedIn is the best. If you just send me a little message on LinkedIn, happy to um to uh, you know re- uh, discuss any anything you may want to discuss about anything in our industry. Um, you never know; the next opportunity could be a LinkedIn message away. Indeed.
0: All right. So, um, anything else that uh, that I've missed along the way that I should have asked you?
1: No, no. I I think uh, I just want to I just want to say, Ryan, that I, I've had the pleasure of knowing you now for the almost the last twenty years, and uh, it's it's been a true pleasure to actually to work with you and to to see you bring us together as an industry. And uh, you know, you 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 wrote a book uh, on OSS that became. The book I found nearly the all of, I travel all around the world, and and there was your book. Your book was out there. You know, people held it as a, as a reference. So, so you did very well, sir. Very well. Very
0: impressed. Most humble. Uh, thank you very much, Tony. Um. So, thank you very much for being a guest and sharing all those amazing insights with uh, with the audience. And thank you also to the audience for listening in. So, um, yeah, I'd like to uh, close off and look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Uh, within the next week or so. Um thanks, thanks very Ryan. much again Tony. And thanks everyone. All thanks the best. best. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Passionate About OSS podcast. You can find more episodes, more than two thousand five hundred blogs, and our contact details over at passionateaboutos.com.